Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. It is July 23rd, 1994. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. We've we've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. show keeps getting bigger. There's not much news today, though, Carol. Just uh, just one item of news that I have. So you mean we're saved from the boredom of listening to you talk about the freaking business world today? Yeah, she doesn't like news at all on this show. I don't I don't know why. I don't know why you don't no, like it. Uh, some news is cool, like O.J. Simpson. That was interesting, or you know. Yeah, uh, people died. That's funny. I didn't say funny. <laughs> I said interesting. Yeah, uh, but today we're talking about casino style gambling here in the great state of Michigan. Okay. What do you think of, of this, Carol? Um, I want it. I want it to happen. Where are they talking about it? In Detroit, right? Yeah, the city of the the actual city of Detroit. Okay, so yeah, because then by the time that we're twenty one, we'll be able to just drive like what twenty minutes and gamble and have fun. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, there's sort of a you know how they do back talk. They do point counterpoint thing in the in the Detroit Free Press. And there are some people arguing against it, talking about the amount of crime that it could bring. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. And, and most of it, it seems to be on moral grounds. They just don't like gambling. It's against what they believe, basically. So they don't need to do it. I agree. But they are... They're, the one guy says that Detroit needs jobs. They can't afford to say no. Well, and that that's a valid point, too. I mean, it might really revitalize things. I know a lot of people that would probably be interested in dealing either or or working in the office kind of part of it. My aunt, for instance, is she has a she works in HR departments, and I think this would probably be good for her. Really? You think casino and then you think HR? Well, that's what she does, and they're going to need an HR department. Well, sure, but I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, that's just that seems like a leap. Doesn't she already have a job working in HR somewhere? Yeah, she's got a job she doesn't really like that much. Well, I guess. I mean, everywhere has HR. But what I'm saying is, this is a... So here's, here's what, what I think it's valuable as far as jobs go. It's brand new. So whomever owns it, which whichever entities decide to either whether they're corporations or whether they're the Illiches or any of the other you know rich families that, that live around here whoever owns it they're going to be starting fresh no president no CEO no all those high level jobs they're going to have to be filled now i assume that a lot of the really high executive jobs they'll go out to las vegas and find people that are maybe like a senior vice president of an MGM corporation out there or whatever and say, hey, you can be the president of this organization. Right. People with experience. But as far as things like HR and things like that, that every company has, like you said, they'll probably hire within, within the city. So people who, like my aunt, who are kind of, you know, more of an underling, in the HR department that she's in now could become like the head of the HR department. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, they would have to hire within the city and within the actual city itself 
to a great degree. Otherwise, people will not be happy because, I mean, the whole point is to bring jobs to the city, not to the suburbs, but to the city. Yeah, I, I assume there will be some sort of mandate about what percentage needs to come from in the city and what percentage can be from outside of the city. That's That definitely seems like something that they would put into this legislation. But we get to vote August 2nd on it. Well, so we, we don't get to vote. No, but people get to vote on August 2nd about it. So exciting times, but just another... Just another instance where we we have our fates in the hands of... Adults. Exactly. So that usually goes well. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Thanks I for the planet, guys. I want to gamble. <laughs> I would really like to go play poker down there. You yeah. know, You know how much I like poker, and there are not... Even we have Indian casinos here in Michigan, for those of you that don't know. They're sort of far-flung. They're away from... Because they're on reservations, so they're away from the major cities but even there it's very difficult to find a a poker game so a vegas style casino i think would probably offer that yeah that would be cool for you so anyway moving on we are not going to do massive love today Uh, assalamu alaikum to all of you massive love fans out there (laughs) but we're going to cool on it for a few weeks probably uh, allow some additional people to become desperate and want to put ads in the paper so that we have some new stuff to read. Carol, you want to talk about uh, the trip that we took this weekend? Yeah, we drove to Cedar Point. It was awesome. I love Cedar Point. I love roller coasters. I want to do it every weekend. I'm not as much of a fan of roller coasters as Carol is. I like them, but Carol really goes crazy for, for the roller coasters. Yeah. What's your what's your favorite what is your favorite coaster at Cedar Point? Um probably the Blue Streak. Mm. How about you? That might be one of my least favorites. Why? It's so bumpy. I like the bumpy. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're such a perv. It's not. That's not what I meant. Uh huh. The Gemini is is a decent one, and the corkscrew. Oh, I love the corkscrew and the Gemini. I like them all. You get flipped upside down. I like being upside down. Mm hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) you're such a freak. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just me. Um. But we, yeah, so we went out there, uh, played at, at some of the carnival games. No, as you played well. at some of the carnival games. Yeah, well, you you kind of enjoy the carnival games, no. don't you, a little bit? I mean, I watch you because, you know, it's like my duty or whatever to be like, rah, rah, get it. But no, I really don't care. I won you a stuffed alligator. And I love my stuffed alligator. <laughs> Just like I love you. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, so that was what we did this weekend. Why don't you guys uh, write in and let us know what you did this weekend? Yeah, I'd like to, to get some ideas about, like, I don't know, something to do together. That'd be fun. Yeah, there's only so many times you can make out in a movie theater or make out on a roller coaster or, or make out in a <laughs> restaurant or make out in a record store. In a car. <laughs> in the basement. Right. Right. But, I mean, do those things. Not necessarily have to make out in all those places but there's only so many only so many things to do in our little town here so yeah why don't you why don't you let us know what what you did and and give us some ideas of other things that we can do yeah (laughs) dynamite drop in there 
All right. So now, Carol, why don't you explain to the people what happened on Beverly Hills 90210 this week? Okay, so this was a very parent-heavy episode. I mean, was, there was yeah. literally almost nothing going on with the kids in the show. Um, the barest whisper of a plot for them. Right. Because um, their mom ran into her ex-boyfriend. Is her name Cindy? Yes. I always want to call her Carol, but... To be, the actress's like name, name is Carol. Yeah, the actress's name is Carol Potter, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, so her name is Cindy. And, and he's the dad's Jim. Jim. Yeah. So, yeah, Cindy runs into her, her ex-boyfriend. What did, what did you think of uh, of him? He was a nice-looking older guy. Yeah, he, he's one of those guys that didn't get better looking with age, but didn't get ugly with age. You know, you could tell he was probably better looking when he was younger. Right. There's some guys, like... I don't know, like Harrison Ford or Tom Selleck. I think Tom Selleck maybe especially that get that got better looking as they got into their oh, middle really? age. Yeah, don't you think? I do. I just find it interesting that you also find Tom Selleck so attractive. I mean, I can appreciate uh, a good looking guy. Can you now? Yeah, I'm not bi curious. <laughs> Are you sure? That's what you're getting at. <laughs> so yeah, okay. It's kind of creepy how she runs into him too. She's Picking out flowers, I guess. We, we figured out what her job is, um, that she's a landscape designer. Yeah. And Topiary. So, yeah. And um, and by the way, the lady that Jim hired to be, I think, their cook and housekeeper, I, wasn't that her? Yeah. And then she introduces her as her assistant. So she, it's kind of like, it's like she went from being a stay-at-home mom with a, with a cook housekeeper to being a career woman with an assistant. And I don't know when or how that happened. Never explained. Yeah. They, they did not explain that in any way. She just, all of a sudden, she had a job, and she hired her as an assistant. So, yeah. Yeah. But, so they're at, like, a nursery picking out plants for some job that she's doing. And this creepy guy is staring at them through a wall of plants and taking her picture. Yeah. Specifically, her picture. Yeah. As we find out later, very close up, too. Yeah. So she notices, and she, and uh, or I think actually it was her assistant pointed him out, and she's like, oh my gosh, the freak's around here, and then starts to leave, and then he's like, oh, hey. Or no, she recognized him? I don't remember how it went exactly. No, but. he said he said her name. Yeah. And I have a conspiracy theory on this, by the way. Okay, let's hear it. Because his cover story was he claimed that he knew the guy that owned the place, and he was doing him a favor by doing some shots for the cover of his pamphlet or, or whatever for advertisement type stuff, right? Right. Later, though, we see that the pictures he took are of her face very close up with only a little greenery around her. So he obviously recognized her at least from photo one. He also says later that he reads the, the student newspaper and everything, the mm -hmm. alumni newspaper, right? Like, who does that? So, my thought process is, he heard from the student, or the alumni newspaper, that they had moved out here to Beverly Hills. And he was there in California, so he decided, I'm going to track her down, and then just bump into her, quote-unquote. Ooh, so you think he was stalking her. Yes, that's what I think was happening. I think that's a, a pretty good possibility based on how this episode goes. Mm -hmm. 
So she invites him to dinner. Yeah. Like, it seems, like, unnecessarily torturous. Like, you don't even know right away either that they were dating until, like, this dinner scene's already happening. Yeah, I sort of suspected it, though. Right. But it's, at the beginning, too, we also see some strains in the marriage. Yes. Because it's their anniversary. Yeah, that's how the episode started. Yeah, it's their anniversary, and they, they went out... To eat, I guess, for their anniversary. At some, you know, hip place that, you know, he said it takes forever to get in there. And, you know, he got them the reservation. But then they still had to wait, like, a couple hours, I guess, to eat. And she's complaining as usual. She is, yeah, she is a giant complainer. Like, the whole episode, I was just like, oh, I don't like her. Mm-hmm. The whole, I mean, the whole episode, she's, like, complaining about him, complaining about where they live, complaining about her life. Like, get over it. Do something. At least she has a job now. Maybe that'll help. Well, we'll see. This episode wasn't a great indication of whether or not it would help. Right. But, yeah, so he, he they, she talks about how long it took the food to get there. And, you know, he says that, or she says, she says that she understands why everyone's so thin there. Right. <laughs> because they have to wait so long for their food and then their appetite's gone. Which I don't find if you if you if you're hungry and you don't eat for a long time your appetite just goes away. I mean, I guess the she means the weight of the restaurant is like makes you disgusted. Yeah, I suppose that's possible. But yeah, so she's complaining about that. Then um, they're getting ready for bed, and he has to work, and she's like, "Now remember, the man is an accountant, and I'm assuming this is tax season." Everything he said indicates that it probably is tax season, yes. And he's like, yeah, I've got like another hour of work to do, whatever. And she's like, aren't you coming to bed kind of thing? So, you know, it seems like they're going to like, you know, get it on. Mm-hmm. And so they're laying in bed and it, by her prompting, they're laying in bed and he makes a move. And then she's like, well, aren't we going to talk a little first? Like, seriously, Cindy? Well, yeah, it's funny because they're both, I think they're both kind of at fault here. And I guess that's probably the points that they're trying to make because he makes a move. She says, let's talk first. I need some intimacy, all this kind of stuff. Didn't they just go out to dinner? How long much talking does she need? That's, I mean, that is, that's a very good point. But then when she says that, he says that he's got some more work to do and he'll go downstairs so he doesn't disturb her. Which, yeah, like, it's like he completely ignored what she actually said. And was just like, well, I'm out then. Yeah, it was, I, I guess maybe he felt like he was being rejected, but that's not really what she was doing. I, I don't know if, he, if it was that, or if he just said to himself, well, I got this work to do. I don't have time to, right. <laughs> to really <laughs> go into the full moves and intimacy and do it and then work. So I'm just going to go work. Yeah, you know, they spent their whole anniversary waiting to be seated, apparently, so he didn't have any more time for her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, like, that's a good point from you. What what better way to pass the time than sexy talk or, or whatever? You know, yeah, they should have gone and made out in the car while they were waiting for a table. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so yeah, they did not take apparent advantage of their time to make out and talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and now nobody's getting any. Mm-hmm. So the next day is when she runs into this ex and invites him over for dinner. Yep. So weird. 
you don't invite your ex home to dinner with your family, right? It, like it that, is it is odd. How would you feel if I had an ex that I ran into and brought them home for dinner with our family if we had one? It would be awkward. I mean, they Jim and this dude did know each other. They worked on the student paper together in college. So, you know, there's there's that aspect of it of to of it. So, say, you know, you invited over you know, somebody like Steve for for dinner. And, you know, I kind of know him a little bit as well. That might not be as awkward, I guess. Okay. I was just wondering what your take on that was. Because, like, me, I'm so jealous. I think that I would um, tear their eyes out. But... But you're not also... You, you also don't have a previous relationship with anyone I dated before, really. I mean, maybe one or two of the, the girls in school, but nobody that I dated for... A long time. How how long of a time, really, have you dated anyone but me? Come on. Like six months. Okay. Anyway. That's a long time. Okay. Um, so they're, they're sitting out by the fire. The kids are sitting on the floor. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, everybody's sitting together talking, They're on the couch together. The, the ex and the wife are on the couch together and Jim's in a chair. Off yeah, that's to the side. very weird. I, you know, I didn't really think about that until later when they're on the couch by themselves and no one else is in the room. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and um, we find out that Jim actually stole her from this other guy, though. Yes, that he he introduced them, and I mean, did he really steal her? I'm not sure exactly. They don't they don't really go into what happened. They basically just said. Or he says that he introduced her to Jim, and that was kind of it, kind of kind of thing. Right, and um, you know, I mean, it is mentioned later that like they they couldn't have been that serious because they never slept together. Right. Yeah, that is mentioned later as well. But um, so Jim's like, okay, I've got work to do, and the kids are like, oh, we've got to get up early, and they just leave them alone in a room with a roaring fire sitting next to each other on the couch. Yeah. Like, I would not do that. I don't care how much work I had to do. I'd be like, hey, it's getting late. Can I show you to the door? I would not leave you alone in that situation. So Jim's in bed rolling around, goes goes to, goes to, like, put his arm out for, for Cindy. She's not there. Yep. So he goes down the stairs and sees that they're still sitting there together on the couch talking. Yeah, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning or something, as is mentioned by her children who are aware of this as well. So, yeah. And that when they're talking, the ex, what the hell was his name? I, I want to say Simon, I don't know. I don't remember. No, Simon was the guy in the movie. Oh, yeah, watched, you're right. <laughs> which sort of parallels yeah. what, what he's doing. So, okay, whatever ex guy's name is, um, says to her, I'm going to show you my um, L.A. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to love it. Yeah. I'm going to make you fall in love with it. So, you know, she's always complaining about how much she's unhappy there and doesn't like it. And for him to say that to her is kind of... And Jim hears it and sees it in the way that... I mean, they're very intimate on the couch. Yeah. After she just said she needs talking and intimacy, he sees that happening. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even put that together, but you're right. That's true. And he just walks back upstairs. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't interrupt them. Like, I, I don't know what's up with him. He, ve- he very much, like I said when we were watching this episode, there's two ways you can handle this situation. You can either fight 
for your woman, basically, for lack of a better term, or you can just give up. And it seems like throughout most of the episode that he's picking the give up route. Yeah. That he just sees what's going on and he's like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just too busy to worry about it, so we'll let it happen. Yeah, it's a really weird, that's a really weird attitude to have. Right. Like, do you not love this woman anymore? I I don't know. So what was going on with the kids was that Brenda and Brandon were invited to be involved in a twin study. Mm Mm-hmm. It was a really weird background thing going on that didn't have much to do with anything, didn't really add to the plot that much. It was just a, a place where they would be away from the adults to talk, I guess. That, that was really the... Yeah, I kept thinking, because they're in this study with uh, two other, with another set of twins that are identical twins. And obviously they're they're fraternal twins because they're, they're different sexes. So... I kept thinking that something was going to happen. Right. That it was either going to be they were going to get annoyed because these other twins were better than them and maybe the study was to find to to just to kind of examine that psychological breakdown of not being a true twin, quote unquote, or something like that or there was going to be some other bigger meaning, but there wasn't. Yeah. No. It was just do these exercises as twins, see if you can read each other's minds and know what card the other one has in their hand. Which, by the way, that's complete bullshit. I, I know that every once in a while there will be a thing where someone will say, like he said in the episode, I had a really bad stomach pain. We were separated at birth. Apparently these twins were separated at birth. I had a really bad stomach pain on this day at this time. And later, when we met, I found out that my twin was about to have an appendicitis and and had to get his appendix taken out. I guess I've heard of stuff like that before, but what I've never heard of is a twin holding a card (laughs) secretly and the other twin being able to say, oh, that's the Queen of Spades. Yeah. Of course. They they could use that to cheat on, like, a lot of things. Oh, for sure. And that's more than twins cheat normally anyway. You know how... Twins will always, you know, swap each other out and have sex, oh, that's with, gross. Have sex with each other's wives and that's stuff. That's gross. I'm sure they don't do that's that. That's why I would never marry a twin, because I'm afraid of that. So, if I had a twin, you wouldn't think it was, like, hot to be able to have sex with two people that look like me? <laughs> we talked about this last week. We did? Yeah. We had this conversation last week. Three ways with twins? That's On gross. the show? Yeah. What is wrong with us? <laughs> <laughs> remember, I, I mentioned that I can't remember what it was, but what the oh, situation we, we were was. talking about. We were talking about with um, not with twins. It was just with like sisters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sw- sisters. I think I said twin sisters though, but you know, and I said, oh, incest. So no, I, if you had a twin, I would not do that. Okay. I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, I, I know that is gross. So okay, so they're you know doing now their you're friends. Hey. It's a different story. Hey, now. (laughs) Not on the show. Well, no, we're not going to do it on the show. We're not even going to talk about it on the show. Okay, all right. And we're not going to do it at all. We'll negotiate it later. Whatever. Um, You're going to be right into one of those lonely heart things pretty soon. Oh, you think so? Yeah, and you're not going to be looking for a third person. You're going to be looking for a person. As-salamu alaykum. Because you're going to be lonely. I could do like that guy did in Soul Man and take the that ultra tanning cream and just overdose on it and dye my skin uh, black 
and then uh, meet up with that minister and start a new nation. What is wrong with you? I don't know. Okay. What's wrong with you? You're dating me. I, I don't know. I, I might have to reconsider that. Um. Anyway, back to 90210. Yeah, go ahead. Get back. So To where we once belonged. <laughs> so Cindy is now the next day out with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's showing her all around. Now, how weird is it that they were up apparently till three in the morning talking? Right. And then they're out together in the daylight, like driving around, like having a day long tour. It is weird. But yeah, he said that he was going to show her his L.A. Yeah. So, yeah. So he takes her, you know, around to different like artsy fartsy places. And um, then he invites her to his art show. Yeah, his grand opening or whatever. I don't know. Or, yeah, was it a grand opening for a gallery or was it an art show? I don't know. He wants to get into her grand opening. I know right? that. So, and then he's, uh, she brings her kids there and then he's talking about wanting to, like, photo oh, shoot them. Or... And she invites Jim. Yeah, she invited Jim and Jim didn't come, which was a big mistake on Jim's part. Yeah, Jim couldn't go. Jim needs to wake up and smell the coffee. You can't, I mean, you cannot just stand idly by. And I mean, stuff like that, when somebody's looking for an excuse, that's going to be the excuse. Well, you were too busy, so. And it's not. That's not an excuse. That's her husband. Yeah, I agree that, that he she shouldn't be putting herself in the situation that she puts herself in. But she does. Yeah, and so, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, and like I said to you, I, I she really does need to get some new clothes. She does not look L.A. She no. walks into this gallery. Not only this... does she not look L.A., she just doesn't look good at all. Right. But, I mean, she walks into this art gallery. There's all these, like, fancy people. Like, Kelly looks amazing. I love her outfit. Mm-hmm. And um, she's wearing, you know, a very church dress, Midwestern-y looking outfit. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she just sticks out like a sore thumb. And she looked kind of sad. She was kind of standing by herself. And I thought what was going to happen was he was going to ignore her. And that she was going to feel, like, bad about herself and be like, I want to go back to home. Oh, that was something we didn't talk about either. <laughs> in the very, very beginning, too, she's like, this is the first anniversary we've had away from home in 17 years. Yeah. And he's like, um, this is our home now. Right. Like, yeah, get over it, Cindy. Anyway. When um, the artist guy decides to take a break, though, he takes her outside with him. Yep. And proceeds to kiss her. Oh, yeah. And it was it was definitely a mutual kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's an asshole. And she is a little horny. I don't know. I, I want to smack her in the face. I mean, she didn't resist in any way. No, no. Not. She did. I guess she did pull back at one point. But what what... What kept pissing me off about this episode is every time that they were together and their physical relationship escalated, they went to commercial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of resolving that, they were just like, it all happens off screen. Right. So, yeah, we don't know how long they made out for. No. We know they were outside for 20 minutes. Yeah. According to Brenda, yes. So we can assume they made out for the whole 20 minutes. I, I don't, though. I think they had to have talked about it. Wouldn't you think? I would think so, at least a little bit. But we have no idea. So, yeah. Um, Brenda and Kelly are talking about, you know, what Brenda's, you know, suspicions that mom's cheating. And, you know, she says, like, what's it like to be a divorced kid? And this was, I thought, pretty pretty poignant when she said, well, your parents get these new lives and you're just an old byproduct. 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that was kind of sad. I I don't know because my mom's actually widowed, but, um, yeah. Um, Way to bring it down. Sorry. (laughs) But, yeah, so they, so basically Brenda's, Brenda wants to stop this. Brandon doesn't want to talk about it. Brandon wants to ignore what's happening. Yeah, he's, like, weird about it, too. Like, the guys in this episode are just weird. And Brenda wants to get involved. So they end up making a anniversary, like a belated anniversary dinner for them. And they, for, at first, they just sit there and don't talk to each other at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's no good. And um, then when they do talk, they end up fighting. Mm-hmm. And for some stupid reason... She runs off to the guy's apartment instead of, you know, I don't know, calling a friend. I guess she doesn't have any. Yeah. That's that's part of the problem here, too. Yeah. What happens when she goes to the guy's apartment? I remember they start talking about what's going on between the two of them, but I don't remember what happens. I, they don't sleep together. No, no, no. They didn't sleep together. Um, I think they kissed again. They kiss again, and then she, like, freaks out she she pushes him away and she's like i can't deal with this yeah and runs out yeah she does and brenda and brandon who are supposed to be going there to get their photos taken as twins whatever they see her and that's when they realize that they think she's having an affair yeah they see her running out of the house into the car she doesn't know she's been seen but in the morning at breakfast again they're talking about losing the appetite Mm-hmm. They give her the biggest guilt trip and like, oh, we've lost our appetite. We don't want breakfast. And yep. like without actually saying anything. Yeah. And um, Jim says to her that, you know, he loves her very, very much. Mm-hmm. Seems odd. Like the whole, I mean, the whole thing seems odd. Like he knows. They had a big fight. He knows what's going on. Yeah. Well, yeah, he does, but they had a big fight. They didn't resolve anything, and then he's just like, I don't know what's going on, but I love you very, very much. Yeah. So then she feels bad and cries and stuff. Yeah, so then Jim goes to see the (laughs) ex-boyfriend. Yeah, finally decides to do something. And he says, you know, I see what's going on. Basically, he tells him, hey, if you've decided to grow up and get your own family, that's fine. But don't take mine. Right. Don't come around my wife. You know, don't uh, come around my family. You know, leave us alone, basically. Yeah, and good for Jim. And he should have been saying that from, you know, the minute things started. Oh, yeah, jump straight. And um, then, you know, Cindy also tells him that, you know, she's not interested. in. Yeah, because he shows up at the house. After Jim tells him not to be around his wife, he shows up at the house while Jim's at work. Yeah. Which I thought was going to be... It's so funny, too, because I think he was going there to make one last plea. That's my that's my feeling on everything. And she said that, you know, she loves her 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 husband. She loves her family. She can't do this. And then he's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, me, too. Like, basically. <laughs> and he's like, I had a visit today from my conscience. Right. Which is a weird thing to call Jim, I guess. Yeah. And then on his way out. The kids are coming home from school or whatever, and he's like, you guys have a really great family. Oh, and he's taking off on some photo shoot. That was the thing, though. He did say he is taking off, so to maybe Canada, he had decided that. Maybe he's not, though. Oh, maybe he's lying, yeah. Yeah. But he's going to, can- to Canada to shoot what? 
Yeah, Moose? Know. Well, he worked for National Geographic. I suppose. Yeah, he also won the Pulitzer Prize, we heard. And he talked about Tiananmen Square. Like, I guess intimating he's the guy that shot that picture of the guy standing up to the tank in Tiananmen Square, which obviously is a lie. Right. So, I mean, maybe he didn't take the famous picture, though. Maybe he just took pictures. Sure. He won Pulitzer Prize for the B-roll for the team <laughs> Tiananmen Square. Okay, fine. Stuff. Whatever. So... Yeah, then um, without, again, without ever actually talking about it, you know, uh, Cindy and the kids, like, make up. They hug and, Mm -hmm. you know, she's like, you know, I love you guys and they love her and life's all happy because he's leaving. And then Jim comes in. And she goes to tell him, which, you know, Mark was wondering through the whole episode, is she going to tell him? Is she going to tell him? Because I know you're the kind of person who wants to know everything. And I said before this even came up, I said, some people don't need to know he probably knows as much as he needs to. And that's exactly what he said to her. She said, some things happen, and he's like, do you love me? And she said, yeah, he's like, that's all I need to know. Yeah, that would not be a satisfactory answer to me, though. <laughs> if, if we were in this situation, and you, I mean, I know we're never going to get married. You know, you, you said that already. But... I never said that we're never going to get married. <laughs> I just said I thought we were a little young to talk about it. But anyway, so the, the thing that can't be mentioned marriage oh shut up anyway so if you came up to me and said some things happened (laughs) i'd want to know what you meant by that you'd want to know exactly everything where was the guy's hands and how long did it last and what did you say and what did his breath smell like yep (laughs) that's correct i would yeah i wouldn't like i've told you if you do something and you realize it's a stupid mistake i don't want to know Okay, well, like, I, like I've said before, and so everyone out here in the audience knows now, I get one free one. No, so. you don't get a free one. I said I don't <laughs> want to know. I did. I retract my statement of I would forgive you. I wouldn't. But if, no, if you don't know, then there's nothing, to, there's nothing to forgive. Yeah, but I'm saying it would be a fucking gamble now, wouldn't it? I guess. I mean, you know, I could go to the next town over. And I could cut your dick off in your sleep. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you think that's funny. Could you imagine a woman being so angry that she would do that? Um, yeah. Wow. Crazy. Um, you know, there was a lady who set uh, the bed on fire when, you know, when oh, her yeah, husband the, was sleeping. The Burning Bed. That's uh, that's a Farrah Fawcett movie. Yeah. I know that one. Isn't that based on a true story? I don't know. I think it is. I'm not even sure. I just know the title of that movie. I'm not even sure if that's what that movie is about. No, she was uh, being abused, and she set the bed on fire and killed her husband. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yes, sir. So we watched a movie that paralleled 90210 greatly. What are what? Yeah, let's get off the let's get off the women killing their men in their sleep. <laughs> um, we watched uh, True Lies. Mm-hmm. With Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis. We did. We did watch that film. And it very much paralleled, um, like I said, this episode. Do you want me to take over this one? Sure, go ahead. Okay. So yeah, we, we watched True Lies, and it did. It, there were a lot of parallels to the episode of 90210 in this movie. First of all, just general impressions. I want to say this... Might be the most fun movie of the year. Oh yeah, it is a lot of fun. I I liked it better than Speed. I, I know Speed is done done better so far. 
Speed is a good movie and, and a good action film, but it doesn't have it doesn't have the fun factor of this movie. I don't think it's it's oh, missing no, it's that. It's not fun. It's no. intense. It's not fun. This is fun. Yeah, and I guess I guess maybe I just like fun action movies more than I like intense action movies. Right, that makes sense. But yeah, I thought it was better than Speed. I thought it was. It's not. See, comparing it to Forrest Gump, which we talked about last week, is tough. It's apples and oranges. Yeah, because I mean, obviously they're they're very different kinds of movies. But I had I had more fun with this, I think, than I did with Forrest Gump. I I think I had a more enjoyable time. Now maybe Forrest Gump is a is a bigger a bigger milestone of filmmaking. And you know, if you want to talk about shot composition and angles and scene length and pacing and things like that, maybe Forrest Gump is better. But James Cameron has a a long ouvre of uh, of very good films that he's made in the past. Yeah. And he definitely knows how to make a film. And that, that's the thing. In a lesser director's hands, this easily could have fallen flat and become a farce. For sure. For sure. And, I mean, you know, with the actor and actress as well, I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're very talented. And I don't think other people would have carried it as well. This, I think this was the perfect blend of the dangers real and it's kind of serious, but also silly at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, yeah, I'll let you keep going. What? Well, what did you? What did you think of it? What did? You, what? What are your overall impressions of the film? Well, not only was it you know a fun action movie, but you know it's kind of sexy too. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, so I enjoyed that aspect as well, which is weird because I don't find um, Arnold Schwarzenegger sexy. At all. Or Jamie Lee Curtis. Or Jamie Lee Curtis. But together, they have some good chemistry in this yeah. movie. Tia Carrera, however. Oh, she is smoking. Yeah, absolutely. What What else has she been in? She was in Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2. Yeah. I don't know. Like like I told you, she kind of reminds me of a cat, though. <laughs> she does. She does look a little like a Persian cat. <laughs> but, um, I mean, not that cats are hot, but she is hot. Yeah. Um, well, just her face kind of looks like a cat's. Yeah. Um, so you want to take us through the plot? Yeah. So basically, the the plot of the film is it's, you know, a normal day or whatever. Well, actually, we, we start with the action stuff. It starts off with a bang where Arnold Schwarzenegger is infiltrating this place in Switzerland that apparently there's an arms dealer there that may have sold some weapons to a terrorist group. Uh, it's refreshing, too. You know we're out of the Cold War now because Russians aren't the go-to bad guys in every movie. Right. <laughs> now it's now it's it's Islamic and Middle Eastern terrorists until it's something else. I'm sure it'll switch at some point to, right. to somebody else. But anyway, so... He goes there and and he puts some kind of tracker on. They've got the the old the, like the AOL. They've got the AOL Windows thing and everything. So they're using the internet, which is is interesting. I guess this guy is a billionaire, so it makes sense that he has some kind of internet connection and 
and uses the internet to some degree. It's, right. it's weird. Well, I mean, even I do, so why wouldn't he? Well, and they the the government, yeah, we use it like to chat to people and everything. But the government uses it too because there's a there's a uh, a scene where Tom Arnold, who's very funny in the movie, mm-hmm. he's he's in the truck and he's kind of he's he's in Arnold Schwarzenegger's ear, sort of giving him you know, telling him where to go and, and stuff like that. And Tia Carrera shows up and she says her name. So he goes on to the internet and types in her information somewhere and is able to pull up whatever this dossier of information on her. I'm not exactly sure how he does that. I'll tell you, I'll start using the internet more <laughs> if I can get pictures of Tia Carrera on it. <laughs> well, honey, I'm sure you can. But I, I think that, you know, the government probably has a database with all kinds of information on all kinds of important people. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know how any of that stuff works, but I, I suppose. So Schwarzenegger is there, and he's kind of, it's a big, like, gala party. I don't know what it's for, if it's for his birthday, or they never really say what the event is for. Do rich people really need a reason to throw galas? I mean, I guess not. But anyway, so he does, he dances with Tia Carrera, and then he, well, no, I guess... They do the tango. Yeah, first he goes upstairs and he plants this thing, and the guys start copying the files. And then he goes downstairs and people are looking for him, so, because he was caught in an area he shouldn't be. And it's pretty clear that they're suspicious about it. Right. So he starts dancing with Tia Carrera, and then... He makes his way out. He says, I've got a plane to catch. So he leaves and the guards try to stop him. And he had planted a bomb earlier in the scene. So he he sets that off to cause a distraction and then basically runs out, starts shooting people. It's a big action scene. There's a snowmobile chase and, and all that kind of stuff. And then he gets out. He goes home and it's normal suburban life with with uh, Jamie, Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis. Curtis and their daughter. And you realize that she has absolutely no idea what's going on with him. He goes and there he goes to his work. It's super secret. Charlton Heston is his boss. <laughs> he shows up for I think one scene or two scenes. Tom Arnold is his partner. Yeah, I don't know how much they paid Charlton Heston, but that had to be about five or ten minutes on set for two million dollars or whatever he asked for. I mean, do you really? I mean, do you really think that they would have paid him that much? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Charlton Heston commands. If you're going to get Charlton Heston away from the NRA and, and into a movie <laughs> scene, then you're going to have to pay some money for him. All right. But anyway, so they, you know, they kind of give the backstory on this terrorist guy. They they say where she works and everything. She works in. She. Yeah, well, Tia Carrera, because. She, what what happened? She got paid some money, or I can't remember exactly how they how they figured out that she probably was part of this as well. Yeah, I don't know how they figured it out, but yeah, she is. You're right. And so they said, okay, well, she deals in she deals in artwork, sculptures, stuff like that, ancient Persian things. And he, you know, Tom Arnold says, which he turns out to be right. He's like, oh, she could be smuggling anything in there, right? You know, drugs, guns, you know, anything, because I guess. The way customs work when it comes to priceless artifacts is different. They don't, maybe they don't search them as 
as exhaustively as they do other other things well, at yeah, different ports of entries. Yeah. So they go Tom or not Tom Arnold. Arnold Schwartz Arnold Schwarzenegger goes to visit her and they have a little flirtation and everything. He leaves and one of the workers, quote unquote, smacks her across the face and it's clear he's the one in charge. And he says, who's this guy? There are people watching this place right now. What have you done? You've invited all these people in. And he's pretty pissed off about the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, all she did was give him a tour of the art. It's mm-hmm. not like she was like, and we're planning terrorist shit and smuggling things here. Yeah, yeah I, it was I, really weird. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how much information Harry really got from that encounter in the first place. Yeah, so he, basically the terrorist says... We need to find out where this guy's at. So now I'm trying to think what happened. Oh, yeah, this happened first. So Harry is driving around with Tom Arnold Mm -hmm. and he realizes that they're being followed. Three guys in, in a car. So they pull over by the mall and he walks in and two of the guys follow him. And Tom Arnold's like, hey, you know, they're they're on you and everything. He said, yeah, I know. Just keep your eye on the third guy in the car. So he stays in the car and watches the third guy. A bus pulls up <laughs> and and blocks his view. And instead of getting out, he just kind of sits there. Because he's on the phone with Helen, who's Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. And he was supposed to be there for his birthday. I guess it's his birthday. Yeah, like how do I, I'm sorry, but it's whatever cover story he came up with, I don't remember, was it's stupid and shitty because it's supposed to be his fucking birthday. Yeah. So he's on the phone trying to calm her down and everything. And Arnold Schwarzenegger goes into the mall and he goes into the bathroom. The two guys follow him in the bathroom. He has this device that that they established earlier in the film, which is a pack of cigarettes with a camera in it, basically. So, And you wear a pair of glasses, and it allows you to see the video feed, so he can see what's going on behind him. So he's at the urinal, just standing there forever, whistling while... The world's longest pee. Yeah, whistling while he pees. And he's got the, the, cam- the pack of smoke set up on the thing, so he can see. Guy comes up, tries to shoot him in the back of the head. Schwarzenegger does his Schwarzenegger thing, beat, beating the crap out of him. And ends up killing both of them. The third guy, but in the meantime, gets out of the car at some point when the bus is blocking the view. Tom Arnold's like, oh, I, I, I lost him. He's, you know, he's somewhere there. He goes into the bathroom, too. I guess maybe assuming that his henchmen are going to mess up. I don't, yeah, it's I don't very know. weird. But then he tries to, to shoot him, and a long chase scene occurs. Now, I, I usually... I'm not a big fan of really long chase scenes, and this is a pretty long chase scene. But it, this is a pretty fun chase scene. It, it really is. It they really start is. chasing each other on foot. They get into traffic, and the ter- terrorist gets hit by a car, kind of rolls off the hood, because, you know, getting hit by a car is nothing in, right, in movies. <laughs> he grabs a motorcycler as he's riding by, drags him off the bike, and then picks up the bike and starts riding it. And... Arnold Schwarzenegger basically does the same thing with a police on horseback. <laughs> he says, hey, federal, federal, uh, federal officer in pursuit. Yeah. And he grabs the horse's reins. Cop falls off and he gets on and starts chasing him with a horse. So they, they go back into the mall, <laughs> riding through stores and, and the yeah. center area and all this stuff. And the guy gets onto the elevator with the bike. Clear and, glass elevator. And I remember thinking to myself, 
and I think I even said this out loud to you, whispered it out loud to you in the theater. Why? Why? I mean, we find out why in a minute. There are cinematic reasons why. But I'm like, you're on an elevator at this point. Why? What are you going to do with a motorcycle? It's the stupidest thing in the world. And Schwarzenegger gets on his elevator with, with the horse. So ridiculous. Which, by the way, there are weight limits on those elevators. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it couldn't hold a horse. Right. But anyway. Not a horse and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. And the two other people that were in that elevator with him. <laughs> so they they both go up to the top floor. The guy gets off on his motorcycle. He looks out over this ledge. It's a big Marriott. So they're, they're actually, they're on the roof. Yeah. And he drives the motorcycle off the ledge and into a pool on the adjacent building. Arnold Schwarzenegger tries to do the same thing with his horse. What an idiot. The horse, and you, you whispered to me as he's doing this in the theater, doesn't that horse have any sense of self-preservation? Which it does, because it stops. Yep. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is dangling off the edge of this building with, you know, holding on to the reins. And the horse. horse. Yeah, the horse backs up, lifting Arnold Schwarzenegger up. And he's safe, but the guy has gotten away. So, then we get into the cheating on you plot. Mm -hmm. So, there's a couple, you know, there's a couple more conversations in, I think it's Omega Sector. Or something like that that they work for. But it's some super secret organization. So there's a couple conversations there. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is feeling bad about sort of neglecting his wife, I guess. So he goes to the office to to invite her out to lunch. And as he's walking up, one of the girls that she works with says, It's your mystery man on line two. So Jamie Lee Curtis picks up the phone and she says, hi, Simon. And he stops and starts listening to this phone call. And she's basically saying, yes, I can meet you and and all this other stuff. So without doing any follow up on this, Arnold Schwarzenegger walks out looking. No, no, I'm sorry, but there's way more to make him suspicious. Okay, well, go ahead. Her friend is doesn't just say mystery man. She's like. Oh, get me some too while mm. you're at it, and you know all that kind of stuff. Like totally animating that she's about to go get laid. Yeah, that that is true. She does do that. But anyway, so he he walks out looking like a puppy. Basically, yeah. he's got some flowers that are just drooping down, and he goes up to Arnold Schwarzenegger, or he goes up to Tom Arnold and says, she, "You know, she's cheating on me." And he goes, oh, buddy, welcome to the club. Right? <laughs> he's like literally excited, too. Because he's been cheated on a couple times, I guess. He, he mentions he's been married three times and everything. So at that point, Arnold Schwarzenegger finally realizes he wants to know what's going on. He wants to know who this guy is, all this other stuff. So what do they do? They they put the the tracker in her purse first, right? Um, Yeah. I mean, they, they go totally crazy. Like, he he, he bugs, forgets he, about everything else. Yeah, he bugs her phone, her home phone and her office phone. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. He pulls resources from this secret organization he works for to check up on his wife, basically. And he tracks her to a restaurant where she's having a meeting with a mustachioed Bill Paxton. <laughs> who is this dude claiming to be a spy and... He needs her help on missions or something like that. So 
Schwarzenegger tracks him down to a used car salesman lot. At first, he's like, you know, oh, he's like Tom Arnold's like, he's in the game. He could be trying to get at us and everything. And then as he starts going on and explaining that, you know, the, the like the big chase that happened in the mall, he claims credit for that. <laughs> and they're like, oh, he's just a liar. Right. So, you know, they find out he's a used car salesman. And Schwarzenegger tries to get some information. He goes on a test drive with him and all this stuff. And, you know, he basically explains this whole thing, that he tells these lies to get these bored housewives excited, and then they'll want to sleep with him and and all this stuff. And, he, you know, he mentions Jamie Lee Curtis and says, you know, I've got one I'm working on right now and everything. And... He's very crude and crass the whole time. I mean, like, I don't know how... He restrains himself mm-hmm. from killing him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he fantasizes about it. <laughs> he does, yeah. A very shocking, like, because you think it's happening at first. They really got me on that one. But so he decides, okay, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to, we're going to, well, actually, he doesn't decide to do anything yet. He's with Tom Arnold. They're, he's Tom Arnold's giving him the report. And he's looking through all these things, and it's all about what's going on with the terrorists. And he's and he stops. Arnold Schwarzenegger stops, and he goes, "Where's the missing page?" It goes from page nine to page eleven. Where's page ten? And page ten has to do with his wife, so he didn't want to give it to him. So it's she's meeting him uh, under this bridge at ten o'clock at night for some kind of covert thing. She thinks. So Arnold Schwarzenegger calls people that are on surveillance (laughs) to come and help him with this. Bill Paxson takes her to a trailer, presumably where he lives. Right. But he says, my apartment in the city is too hot right now. This is a safe house. The penthouse in New York, too. You know, which is just ridiculous. Um, But they go in and he's like, I need you to go to Paris with me and pretend to be my wife. Because they're going to be looking for someone that's on their own. First of all, maybe the biggest cliche in all of spy fiction is the posing as man and wife thing. And so I think they sniff that out, honestly. And two, it's so gullible. She doesn't think to herself, don't they have any female agents that are trained in this that could be doing this with you? Exactly. But he says we have to appear as if we've been intimate and everything so he starts using that to to touch her and everything and she's resistant of him he's he kisses her and she kind of goes along with it for a second but then she's pushing him off of her and says you know i can't do this i can't do this yeah she she fights back a lot more than uh cindy did yes she absolutely does so then they use some sort of jaws of life or whatever to cut the trailer open (laughs) like it's a sardine can and they rush in there, they grab both of them, put sacks over their head, get them in the in the van, and take them to headquarters, where he questions her and, you know, finds out she didn't sleep with him, that she loves her husband, and the only reason that she agreed to do this is because she's missing something in her life. She feels like she's boring. She feels like she is wasting her life kind of thing. She wanted some adventure. Yeah. So he decides he's going to give her some adventure. And he concocts this scenario where she can become a a spy quote unquote and get some information for them and then go home you get the idea that it's going to be one mission and then she's going to be out kind of thing they take bill paxson to a ravine 
This is like my favorite scene, I with swear a, to God. With a gun and basically, you know, say, oh, we know who you are and we're going to kill you and all this stuff. Keep calling him Carlos. Yeah, the jackal. <laughs> and he says, he says, I'm just a liar. I need to lie to women to get laid. I don't even score that much, you know, and all and this stuff. And I have stuff. a small dick. Yeah. And then he pees himself. <laughs> what is by pee himself but they're both like no so then they they let him go and uh so so the mission for doris is that's her code name doris and boris yeah is to pretend to be a prostitute that this guy doesn't like to get physical he just likes to watch so she says okay you know i'll agree to that and she needs to put this bug by a phone. And that's all she's got to do. So she goes in there. She she wears the most ridiculous looking cocktail dress. Oh, my God. But then, you know, she looks at herself in the mirror, I think kind of realizes that she does not look good and starts ripping it off so that she's just in this like skimpy black dress. And she puts makeup on, wets her hair back. So she goes in and she starts dancing. Arnold Schwarzenegger has paid a guy to record. No, 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 no. Yeah. He didn't pay a guy. He's well, using one of the guys at his work, used their resources to make this tape. Yeah, to make a tape of another person's voice. So he's sitting in the chair and he's just playing the, these, you know, these words, dance for me, dance sexy, all this other French stuff. French accent. Yeah. And so she starts, she starts dancing and... Schwarzenegger's getting turned on. Well, yeah. I think what I think his original plan was: she'll dance a little bit, she'll place this thing. I'll say, okay, now you can leave, and she leaves, and and that's it. She's had her little adventure. But then he got turned on, and he was like, you "I'm know, gonna sleep with my wife." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he tells her to lie down on the bed and close her eyes. See, I think he was just. I think at that point, that was when he was supposed to leave, so she didn't see him. But instead, he takes a rose from the vase next to him, comes over and starts like playing it over her body and then leans in and kisses her. And she's like, I thought you only liked to watch. And, you know, she but she lays down. She's got her hands up like this and everything. And he starts to kiss her. She grabs the phone and bashes him in the head. Which, you know, she's a good wife. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like but calls him an asshole and all this stuff. How she didn't know that was her husband kissing her—that makes no sense to me. Yeah, well, you pointed that that out too. That even with your eyes closed, you could tell it was me. If it was me or somebody else, right? Which I think is probably true. And so then he starts calling out to her, and she's like, "What are you doing here?" And that's when the terrorists bust in. Yeah, because they've been tracking him, and he hasn't been paying attention to them because he's been paying attention to his wife. Yep, he was not doing his job. So. They take them hostage. Uh, they they take them to undisclosed location on a plane. Tia Carrera and the head uh, terrorist guy and everything. And basically, they get knocked out. And Jamie Lee Curtis realize you know it, this is where she finds out that he's a spy. And they've got a bunch of nuclear weapons that they've purchased, and they smuggled in in some of this Persian art. They're gonna you know they're gonna detonate one. On this uninhabited island in the Florida Keys. Then they're going to detonate one at every place, a bunch of different cities in the United States, one a week, 
until the United States agrees to withdraw all their troops from the Persian Gulf area and never go there again. Yeah, like, that's going to work. He talks about how they've bombed his people from afar and killed people and, and done all this stuff. And I, I gotta say, he's not wrong. Um, okay, are you really gonna start sympathizing with the terrorists? I'm not sympathizing with him because I, I, I think he has a legitimate grievance if, he sa- if he's saying to, to the United States, you've killed a bunch of my friends and stuff with these bombs that, you know, weren't targeted properly to cities or whatever. And you're meddling in, in all this stuff in the Middle East, because we do meddle in the Middle East way too much. I'm not just, I'm not saying the Persian Gulf War wasn't justified when Iraq invaded Kuwait. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying that we do, you know, Saddam Hussein was only is only there because we put him in charge in, in there. That, I mean, that was us meddling in the Middle East. Just like, same with, you know, uh, we did the same thing in Afghanistan when Russia invaded them in, in 1980 or 1979. And for years, we funded people there. And some of those people are becoming more radicalized now. Who knows oh. what what damage we've done in that area of the world. I'm, so I'm saying that he's right in that in that aspect. The method of trying to fix that is incorrect. You know, terrorism, threatening people with nuclear weapons, killing innocent people, stuff like that. None of that's good. None of that's the, you know, but it doesn't make his, it doesn't make his first grievance wrong, is what I'm saying. But his, his method of doing it is wrong. Okay. I mean, the United States has a problem, I agree, with seeing themselves as the protector of the whole world and wanting to step in and beat all the bullies up. But, Mm -hmm. you know, what... This is a movie, so... <laughs> no, I'm just saying that... I'm just saying that, that... I thought that was an interesting aspect to it. So anyway, he, he says that that's what he's going to do. And they are going to torture uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis because they want information. So Arnold Schwarzenegger basically says, Well, I'm going to... They give him, give him truth serum. Yeah, this is funny. So Jamie Lee Curtis asks him some questions you know, to kind of... Now that she's finally getting the truth. And he he comes in and says, is there anything you want to tell me? And he's like, I'm going to kill you pretty soon. And he goes, oh, how are you going to do that? And he explains exactly how he's going to kill him and the one other guard in the in the room. And the guy says, well, why do you think you're going to be able to do all that? And he goes, you know, those handcuffs, I picked that lock. And then he does everything he says. He uses the guy as a human shield, uses one of the torture implements to kill the other guy by throwing it across the room. Uh, kills the the one guard that comes in there, snaps the guy's neck. And we learn during this sequence, too, that that tracker they put her in her purse comes in handy yep. because they're tra- they know where they've gone. And apparently Tom Arnold and crew realized, hey, you know, they got taken from this hotel room and now they're in a plane and everything. None of this is supposed to be happening. And I can't get Harry, you know on the walkie-talkie or pager or whatever they use. So something's going wrong. So they're flying to the rescue, too, at the same time. Right. So they they basically, Arnold Schwarzenegger, this, this is like the big action piece of the movie, is him and Jamie Lee Curtis go around killing everybody, basically. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis on accident at one point where she drops a gun that rolls down the the stairs and kills all the guys coming towards her 
which is you know fun. It, it's you know it's another reminder that this movie's not to mass be taken. murder fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just another reminder that this movie's not to be taken too seriously, right? So uh, she thinks that Arnold Schwarzenegger dies because he's got he's has this hose from this giant propane tank or something and he's using it to burn all the people and the head terrorist guy he shoots a a missile at it so harry sees it he runs he dives into the water it explodes jamie lee curtis thinks he's dead tia career takes her prisoner and puts her in a limo they're driving to miami because that's going to be the first the first city welcome to miami yeah exactly but that's going to be the first that's going to be the first place where they detonate the nuclear weapon so they go to a hotel there some giant high rise place and arnold schwarzenegger gets up you know gets out tom arnold's there they uh they rescue him and everything and he says okay you know they've got her we're gonna go get her he they fly, they get the Marines to come in jets. <laughs> they fly over, and there's two trucks holding the nuclear weapons and Tia Carrera in the limo with Jamie Lee Curtis. And Schwarzenegger's like, you can open fire on the trucks. And they're like, is this going to set off the nuclear bombs? And he's like, oh, no, no way. And he turns to Tom Arnold, he's like, he just Probably shrugs like, his head. I don't know. Which is funny because his wife is really close to there. Does he even know she's in the limo? Yeah, I think so. So, and he's right there. So, anyway, they shoot the trucks. Everything's fine. They blow up the bridge with missiles. And then Jamie Lee Curtis has a fight with Tia Carrera. Schwarzenegger swoops down in the helicopter they're in. Basically grabs her. Gets, you know, gets a hold of her. Drags her up as the car is falling off of the ledge. Tia Carrera and, and company dead. And then they land... And this should be the end of the movie. Like you pointed out mm-hmm. after we were gone, the movie should be over now. Yeah, everything feels resolved. Everybody's safe. But what happened was, is the terrorists who got there first somehow, I don't know if they flew or what they did, I don't know. But he's got a nuclear weapon there in Miami. And he's kidnapped Schwarzenegger's daughter. So Schwarzenegger says, I'm going to get on this plane that I haven't flown in 10 years. And there's a little comedy of him trying to take off with it. After that, he, he pilots it like an expert. Of course. But he goes to the he goes to the place where they're at. Uh, his daughter steals the key to the nuclear Yeah, bomb. she has some serious balls. Absolutely. I mean, she is like what, fourteen years old? And yeah. she I would be in a corner crying. She is like, I'm gonna save the world. <laughs> And she, so she runs up to the roof. The head terrorist chases after her. She walks out on a crane that's, you know, like stories and stories above the ground. Instant death once she hit the ground if you right, fall off. for that. sure. And she basically says, don't shoot me or I will drop this key, you know, and you'll never get it kind of thing. Smart. Um, so obviously he doesn't shoot her, but he starts chasing her. Schwarzenegger shows up with the plane Tells her to get on it. Eventually, she does get on it, and the terrorist also jumps on it. So, to make a long story short, eventually he kind of gives her a look and says, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna be turning this plane. So, so hold on tight." She holds on to the cockpit, and he flips the plane sideways, 
a guy falls down onto the missile. He's wearing a backpack for some yeah, reason. Yeah, this this is dumb. That he it gets hooked onto one of the missiles, and then Schwarzenegger, because he's always got to do this, says you're fired, and then he fires the missile at uh, one of the enemy helicopters, killing all the terrorists. And then they go home. Everything looks like oh, it's normal day again. Phone rings. Jamie Lee Curtis answers. It says one year later. Yeah, it says one year later. But the the phone rings. Jamie Lee Curtis answers, and they say Doris, and she goes. So she turns to Arnold Schwarzenegger and says, "We're on," you know. And so they get some kind of mis- mission. They go to another big fancy party, and they do the tango together. Yeah, it's super cool. And that's basically how the how the movie ends. She becomes a spy too. Their marriage is stronger than ever. All that stuff. Um, I want to learn to tango. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> we should do it. Yeah. But a very good movie. Like I said, I, I, I had a lot of fun with this movie. It maybe is 10 or 15 minutes too long. I'd say 20. That's my only... That's my only gripe of the movie. Because some of those action scenes are a little longer than they need to be, too. Yeah, that's true. But they're, I think they're dispersed well. Yeah, I guess. They're, there's one big one at the beginning. There's one medium one in the in the kind of the chase scene portion of the film. And then there's the big one at the end. I guess the fourth one in the final, that's the one that you could cut yeah. with the airplane and all that stuff. You could probably cut that out. But they're 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 paced well. They're spaced out well enough, and I like a lot of the the James Cameron really does a good job of building these characters. Yes, and that's, that's true. That's what I like. It's not a dumb action film. It's not a dumb action comedy. You really there are they're believable characters that you care about, and that's that's what makes the that's what elevates the film beyond what it could be. Yes, but yeah, I, I enjoyed True Lies quite a bit. Uh, one of the, may, me too. Thank you for taking me to see it. Oh yeah, no problem. Maybe the best film that I've seen this year, honestly, or at least the one that I had the most fun with. What do you think? Do you do you think that uh, you know you've had more fun with with any other one this year? Um, I mean, we haven't done too many really fun ones, and the ones that you might think are fun, I usually think are stupid, so I'm going to have to say no. I think this is the most fun movie as well. All right. Well, that is our episode for today. We will end this show as we end every show with our blockbuster pick of the week. Again, as we as we mentioned before, a lot of these now, because of the amount, the timetable, of when they release things to VHS after they've been in the theater. A lot of this stuff is going to be stuff we've covered already. But uh, there is Cabin Boy. Oh, no. <laughs> which we covered. Not my favorite movie in the world. If you find world. a copy of it, burn it. What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Good. On the other end of it. Good movie. And then a movie we did not see, although we thought about seeing, I guess, Blank Check. Do you remember? Do you, do you remember any of the commercials or anything for Blank Check? I don't think you've actually nope. seen it, right? Nope. So basically, the story is a boy who gets hit by a car. He's riding his bike, and he gets hit by a car. And this dude is like some sort of drug lord or mobster or something like that that hits him. 
And he's like, oh, you know, we got to call the police and everything. And the guy says, no, 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 let's not do that. I'll pay for your, your hospitalization and everything here. You know, I'll just, I'll just give you, I'll just give you a check. And he gives him a check that he signs, but he forgets to put an amount in it. So it's a complete blank check. And this dude, Preston, I think his name is, he, he doesn't like that, that his dad is real frugal with money. His dad's a tightwad, right? He won't ever buy anything for him. So he decides that what he's going to do is write this check out for a million dollars and take it to the bank, which, you know, 99999 million times out of a million or billion or whatever would not work. But since this guy's some big mob boss or drug lord, it does work and he gets a million dollars in cash and then decides to go on a spending spree. And then there's hijinks that ensue because uh, this mobster wants to kill him to get his money back and, and all this other stuff. Sounds like a dumb movie. It is. A, it's a movie for kids. The reason we didn't see it is because it's a movie for little, little ones. And we are not little ones, so we didn't see it. But if you have little ones at home, if you're an adult, I guess, or you've got some... Little brothers and sisters. Yeah, little brothers and sisters or nieces and nephews that you want to treat to a kind of fun movie, I've heard some decent things. So check out Blank Check at Blockbuster. But that is our show for the day. Thank you so much. Uh, As always, tell some friends and do all that kind of stuff that we love that you do. Uh, But that is our show for today. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.